This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome everyone. It's Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio. Hey, thanks for listening. We sure appreciate listening, sharing episodes with friends, putting it in your networking group. You know, we could not have been here for nine years if it wasn't for our great listener who cares about coming here for all kinds of great business wisdom and acumen. We have a great episode today. Two great guests who volunteered to come on and say, hey, it wasn't perfect in my life the whole way. And I don't know, Shari and Kenny, but to me, wisdom seems to come from having bumped and ground and had Band-Aids and swollen knuckles and heads. And, you know, you kind of get damaged up a little bit and then you say, hmm, I'll never do that again. (laughs) But you have to get to the point where you never want to do that again. Hey, before we get too far in, thank you so much to our great partner, Napa Tracks. Did you know that Napa Tracks has on-site training plus six days a week support? The most critical part of the greatness of Tracks is that six-day-a-week support. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you can run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let's prove to you that Tracks is the single best shop management system in the business. Find Napa Tracks on the web at napatracks.com. Shari Pheasants with us, a master mechanic, Reno, Nevada, with husband Jeff. Hi, Shari. Hi, we're celebrating 20 years today, Car. I mean, out today, this year in May. How cool is that? Horsepower strategy still going, right? Indeed it is. We have rebranded to sharifezant.com now. So I have taken a step forward in my brand. A little uncomfortable, but I'm there. <laughs> Napa BDG member, sponsor the Children's Museum, uh, the auto section at the museum. I love that. Love what you're doing there. And boy, does she have lessons learned that she's going to share with us. So thank you so much for that. Kenny Wedow, fine-tuned automotive, four locations out of Broomfield, Erie, Aurora, and Longmount, Colorado. Hey, Kenny. Hey, good morning. I knew you when you were a single store. And all of a sudden, it's like Santa, you put his finger to his nose and presto, there's four stores. Amazing. It's a lot of work, but we got there, yes. Yeah, he told me in the green room, and so proud to say that they're all mine. I don't have a partner. And I own them all. And I own them all. That's right. It's a big thing. Imagine putting your head on the pillow at night, having that level of comfort. It's a lot of stress. It's good. We sometimes resist and we push to stay in a comfort zone, even if it's in a struggle zone. We do. And we just don't seem to want to climb out. I read a great book a while back called The Gift of Struggle by Bobby Herrera. And I loved it. And I took a a ton of great notes. A big thing I want to share with everyone is what he calls the definition of struggle. And here, let me read it to you. To strive, to achieve, or attain something in the face of difficulty or resistance. And sometimes that resistance is your own. A couple of great takeaways from the book, because we're trying to help people rethink maybe the zone that they're in that isn't in the success zone yet. Inside every struggle is a gift. These These are pointers from the book questions to guide our journey, change your behavior as a leader. Huge piece. Humans are hardwired to defend themselves when they receive negative feedback. Isn't that interesting? So I really recommend if you're in in a tough spot, get that book. Look, everyone, we're here to share the wisdom of Shari and Kenny. And Kenny, you were in, in a really tough spot and about ready to close one Christmas if you couldn't make a turnaround. Right. 
when I first started my business growing and it was just me, um, that first Christmas was really difficult. I started from zero customers, scratch up all my locations technically. But then we moved past that first Christmas and it, it was going okay after that. And then we kind of got in the, the situation that we were in that we're going to talk about today. So. How did you make the big move? Was it a mindset move? Was it a promise to the family? What got you over that hump? It's just the, I can't fail, right? I, I don't fail. I, when my back's against the wall, I just keep pushing harder and harder to try, try to make it work, right? Whatever it is, so. And that's your makeup. That's right. That's you. So you weren't going to fail. Correct. I call it the Kenny factor. <laughs> oh, I love this big takeaway, everyone. The Kenny factor. Listen to this episode for the Kenny factor. There's got to be a Shari factor somewhere here. Oh, that's about people first. So you can make it through anything if you do it together. So change management is 80% about people things, the barriers, the things that hold us back. And so I've found over the last decade that by focusing on people, you can actually change the world. That's pretty powerful. Husband right along there with you, right? Every step of the way. Husband right along there with me changing. And we are the husband wife team. We've been through 20 years, Carm. It's been a roller coaster, different seasons, different reasons. Marriage always more important than money. And that's what's kept us together. And then ultimately being able to drop both of our egos and realize what each one of us brings to the table um, recognizing that, applauding that, supporting that, and making that happen. We're actually on track this year to have doubled our business in just three years in one location. So we went from 1.7 for six years in a row to now we're on track for to 3.4 to 3.6. My guys are threatening they're going to do over 4 million for some reason. They're just like excited. And that's one location, sir. So together we're better and people are important. It was the people factor that really helped you through this. So it was leadership more than it was management KPIs, margins. Yes, sir. My husband at one point when I first went back, so I'd been on the road, left the shop for a few years, worked with the national consulting firm, did some other things, started my own company, um, decided I didn't want to come back to the shop. I wanted to work on people. My experience had shifted me so much that I realized that there's great leaders out there, out there that aren't that aren't inspiring the best out of the people they work with if that's a great way to put it. And they don't realize it and they have a great talent. They just have to be able to get rid of the ego like you talked about earlier. So how do you fix you? Be willing to admit like what your naked really is. <laughs> oh, I love that part. You know, <laughs> I have to tell you guys, I've never, you're, what your naked really is. Oh my, we know, but we don't look. We don't know. I, I disagree. I think we think we know, but I think we don't know because perspective is reality and people's perspectives are different. So when you start putting those pieces together, right, we learn more from our mistakes, all of those things that we know Yet historically, we continue to deny and repeat. We just repeat it. So I believe in predictive technology, scientific data. We use it on the cars. We can use it on people. And then we understand better how we work, why we work, and how we see the world and see ourselves. And that's the difference we brought to the shop. Jeff at one point said to me, I, I don't know what you're doing. It's just conversations but you're changing everything. So we've saved three technicians through conversations. Kenny, I want you to dovetail on what Shari is talking about. You could win the lottery and maybe say you got a great big business that's already paid for and continuing to grow, but sooner or later, one day, you're going to run out of that. 
or you're never going to be able to hire the right people or create the right culture. What was your big people factor? You know, I've had several people over the years and this past summer we went through kind of a restructuring of the company and that has kind of changed us quite a bit for the better. We made a lot of big changes this past year and that's allowed us to continue to grow. We realized what we had wasn't working and we had to change the culture. Okay, you got me really curious, so I'm going to ask the tough question. (laughs) What kind of big changes? I think I hired... 17 or 19 people in a month. What? Wow. Yeah, it was massive. Which means you had to move some people around. Correct. Yeah, we had to make some changes. Yeah, things weren't Were you growing or letting go? We were making changes. Yeah. Yeah, we had to make some changes. So So it wasn't in alignment with your vision. Correct. It wasn't working. I had a store that was failing and um, I was getting ready to be in a position to have to close that store down if it wasn't going to make it. And I realized I had to step in and and take charge and, and fix it with what was going on. Share with me, both of you, when you get in front of your people and you say, listen, let's go over our culture one more time. Let me set the vision of why I started this business, where I see it going, how we want to take care of clients and our internal family. But not everybody always gets that, do they? We started at the basics, Carm, a year ago. What are we doing here? Why are you coming here every day? What do we do? And they're like, what do you mean? What do we do? We fix cars. I went, really? I think we provide convenience, right? Freedom, peace of mind. So just getting everybody in that mindset and then talking about how do we do that? Parts and labor. Okay, parts and labor. Parts are commoditized. So labor, that means labor is the most special thing we have, right? And they're like, yes. And I go, so that means that your value in this company is even more valuable than the parts we buy. Yes. And I say, so what is our contract together? You come in, you're here 40 hours. Is it fair for me as an owner to expect that you can build 40 hours or should I like think it's only 30? Right. And I got everybody to, we just, we talked nakedly. And I had one, I said, if there's anybody here that thinks they can't build 40 hours, please speak up. And I had a technician speak up and the old culture, which I call climate, Right. Because culture is what we talk about. It's what we think we have. But climate. Now, that's the tornado and the flood that hits you. That's the reality of it. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what we want. That's what it actually is. Yeah. So wait a minute. What you're saying is this is the culture that we're really looking to instill. But brewing underneath it or a front coming in is the climate. And that is what that eventual pot of soup is going to look like if we don't turn off the burner. Is that what you're saying? It's like the what I was taught at one of the trainings I went to many years ago at the dealership level is level of expectation, level of reality. So, mm-hmm. you know, the expectation is the culture. The reality is the climate. You know, Agreed. What it, and that's like leaders. In, yeah. When the customer comes in, they want a certain, you know, aspect if you wash their car every time. And then the, the next time they come in, you don't wash their car. They expected that car wash. So now they're upset because their level of reality wasn't what their, you know, expectation was. So. Well, and leaders, just to dig right into that conversation, right? I think we believe we appear a certain way. I think we believe that we're perceived and taken a certain way. And I think much of that time, especially with the new workforce, it's absolutely different. And so it's really about being able to back up your ideas as a leader. And I mean, back up, not like back it up to make it stronger, but to back it up like a car when you back it up so that you can let your people go first and speak. Because I find that when leaders speak first, then everybody wants to agree with you and you never really find out the truth. Um, I had a shop owner one time that said to me when we were um, coaching them, said, oh, my employees all love me. They think I'm great. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, I ask them. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not sure that that works because when I want a job, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear, but okay. (laughs) And actually when we dug in a few years later, we found out that he really didn't know and there were some things they wanted to tell him. So I think it's just 
leaders, we want to make everything right. We want to fix it. We want to be everything that our teams expect us to be or that we think they expect us to be. And yet in reality, when we're vulnerable, that's when we connect and we inspire the most. Kenny, what did you learn from the 17 gang hire? (laughs) That we were able to take a store that was on track to do, the failing store was going to do about 600,000 and we ended the year at a million. That was the biggest, you know, milestone. And, you know, if you think about it, we made that up in the second half of the year. So like Sherry had said, it's all about people and having the right people in the right places has really changed a lot for us as a company, right? And it's allowed us to continue to to dream and feed my visionary side and, and continue to grow. So I'm curious, Shari, and, and jump in anytime because you may be as curious as me. You place an ad, you're looking for all these people. The rumor inside the business is, you know, Kenny's interviewing is bought off. What's going on? I'm sure there's even more failure during that period of time. What kind of people did you find? Did you hire 100% everyone? I'm so curious because it was a gang hire and I can't believe it. Right. It was a lot of late nights and interviewing offsite and a lot of conversations had to be had. At one point, my office manager came to me and she says, Hey, I have uh, six uh, employee handbooks ready to go. Is that going to be enough? And I said, I don't think so. And I didn't know at that time what where we were going to end up. So it was pretty monumental. Kenny, did you have the number in mind or you were just interviewing until you could really find great people? I have a question. Based on what you had been through that put you into the 17 gang hire. Correct. What were some of the things that became a focus point for you in an interview for bringing someone in in order to what you thought you had the wrong fit? How, what did you do and what did you focus on to get the right fit? I was looking for culture to attitude to want to have people that surround me that want to make a difference, that want to be on board with an exciting adventure kind of thing. So that was the big deal for me. Was that your language in the interviews? Yeah, I told them about the vision and the dream and where I wanted Mm -hmm. to go. And and I was very transparent about where we were at. Talk about asking questions. You want to make a difference. We have an exciting venture here. Do you want to be part of it? You got a floor technicians that you're interviewing by, they have to look at you and shake their head and say, is this guy smoking something? My customer service specialist. Right. Very good, Shari. Very, very good. Yes. And I find it, we have not actually talked about the word climate in a long time on this podcast by saying you've got a culture, but the climate's not making it stick or work. We have no sunny days. And we have that in our shop too. I mean, Carm, we've been through, you talked about things and shop owners, and I lose count of the metamorphosis that we have taken as shops. I think that if you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, you've got to embrace change. That's a part of the gig because you're never going to get where you're going the way you're acting today. Kenny said it earlier. He realized that and that's how he shifted and taking a hard look and and making those those shifts and the break of the relationships. But I mean, it can can be as little as the situation, right? You hire an amazing employee. When you hire them, they're going to stay there. You have all these conversations and then there's a misunderstanding. um, There's a misalignment. I have this missed effect that I talk about, right? Miscommunication, missed opportunity, missed profit. and, And that's people, you lose them or... I mean, I've been through where I lost over 250000 because I didn't have it in writing. So trusting handshake deals instead of getting yeah. contracts based on people's reputations. People are willing to put those out there sometimes in public and have something different in the background. So I think you're going to make bad choices. You're going to lose money. You will never know enough. So keep learning and you can always bounce back. Money is plentiful. Okay, explain money is plentiful. 
Oh, money is plentiful. So I believe that money has, I mean, I believe everything has energy. The wood desk I'm sitting at has energy. I believe that, right, people, we have energy. You can walk into a shop and you can feel them thriving or existing. It's energy. And so money has energy. When you hold money and you hoard money, you're not allowing it to flow. When you allow it to flow and you give it away, it comes to you very easily. And I, that theory was brought to me probably a dozen years, 15 years ago, and I wasn't sure of it and I've utilized it. And I promise you that our financial situation is absolutely different because it's not what we focus on. We focus on the, the things and the people that are important to us. And through that, by allowing the flow, their money is plentiful. It's just a tool. Let's face it. Your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop period. NapaTrax was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. We provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. NapaTrax offers the industry's best post-sale support, hands down, and we train your people on site. Yep, on site. And we offer remote refresher training 10 times a week and customer support is open six days a week. Give us a call, visit the website, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. We'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napa Trax is always customized and tailored for you, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax, that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Kenny, take me to the day or the situation where you said, I'm cleaning house. How'd you come up with that decision? It's kind of interesting because we got on this topic and it's actually not even what I thought we were going to talk about today for me. Me either, by the way. We'll just have to do it again. We're going with the flow because I am so curious about this. (laughs) I wasn't making a lot of money. I was super stressed out and I was a very large sum of money in the negative and I couldn't see a way out of that. And I actually talked to my one of my coworkers this morning, my management team today, and I couldn't see a way out of that. And it was scary. I said, I don't know what to do, right? And I said, something's got to change. And so then I just started making changes and, and realized I got to fix this. He gotta, said change, Carm. So a lot of big changes. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't be afraid to try them good or bad because you're going to learn from every one of them. Some of them are going to be genius, which is our whole topic here is on struggle. And I'm afraid to make a decision. That's not going to help. That's not going to move you. It's not going to move you off exactly where you are. I mean, I've always been able to pivot very quickly and, and make changes. And when you own four stores, you have to be able to pivot very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, with certain things because things happen very fast. So I think a great piece of advice to our audience. And again, we may have people that are listening that don't need this advice, but they know friends and people in the industry that do. Okay. We always hope that someone says, knock, knock, knock. I'm going to send you this link. Please go listen to this. Will you think I'm failing? No, I just think that we all could use a boost in the butt to, to rethink ourselves. So this whole pivot thing, I think, is a critical piece of the discussion of struggle. Because if you make a decision and you go forward, Shari, Kenny, and it doesn't work out, you have to be willing not to go to a new bad place, but to be able to pivot. Right. hundred percent. But there's different styles, right? Kenny and I are definitely doer drivers. So we're willing to take more risks. That's right. 75% of our um, industry are previous technicians. Many technicians we find, but, and you are different because many technicians, they're 
observable behavior styles are very slow paced, require data and right a slow and steady space and pace and then data to make a decision. That's why they're great tech. That doesn't necessarily make a great mindset for an owner. That creates more of a paralysis by analysis when you're in owner mode because decisions in technician world should be slow and steady to get it right. Right. There is no second chance. It should be a never leave, not a comeback. (laughs) Right. For sure. An owner world, you miss opportunities when you're not willing to make decisions and fail forward. So you have to be willing to fail. Understand it's just a part of the messy, muddled mess, um, a path of success and um, embrace it. I just don't take it personal. You take it personal. Like I made a mistake. Oh my God, I'm terrible. I did, I wasn't a good leader. Or I wasn't a good owner. And I think it's okay to make mistakes. I, I made one recently with our, our staff and I went, okay, I was wrong. I admit it fully. What do you think we need to do? And they came up with the answer and that motivated them. I, I had an answer in my head. I knew what the option was. Again, leaders eat last means that you speak last. Um, you inspire them and let, let them grow. Kenny, I bet you do that. How many employees do you have? I think we're right around 30 right now. With four shops and 17. So, oh my goodness, that was huge. I'm just, I'm impressed. Well, I only had three shops. So, you know, I think there might be three people left from before the crossover. Wow. Mucho admiration. It was a big deal. We just had a company-wide training last month. And it was amazing to me to see, we, we rented tables and chairs, you know, all of them. And then we had different, we started out with a manager's meeting with just store mm-hmm. managers. And then we moved into kind of an every all staff meeting. We had it catered and everything. And it was pretty enlightening to see that. And we had different staff members get up and talk about inspections. We had a shop foreman talk about workflow. I gave away labeled backpacks with my logo on them and stuff like that. So it was pretty impactful to see that. Very nice. So was it on a work day or a weekend? It was on a Saturday. Okay. Nice. That's wonderful. Everyone came in. Did did I know I'm, we're getting naked. Did, I'm sorry, Carm. Did you pay them? We did pay them, yeah. Came up with an agreed upon and we did that. Like I said, we also did the backpacks. So that was really nice too. And everybody liked that. So I'll have to put one in the mail to you, Carm. Kenny, the thing I love about your story, and I don't mean to say this in a negative way, but it was a bloodletting that was necessary. It's almost like I got to get rid of a pint in order for me to survive. It was a transfusion. It's a new blood story, transfusion. Correct. It was super stressful. This is a keynote at conferences, this story, because it was so big. Now, you did this. How successful was it? You had this struggle going on. You made a major move. You hired 17. Did you have to hire two or three more because some of them just didn't work? Correct. Yeah, we did have a couple of those. Yeah, but that's to be expected, right? It's a law of averages kind of thing. So It's to the point where it, nothing, every decision you make isn't perfect. It's the pivot thing. I say, okay, it didn't work out. You have to pick a brand new attitude if you're going to climb out of the hole. Correct. And at the Christmas party, I set the expectation for this year for revenue goals and everybody kind of was like, holy crap, that's that's, incre- that's crazy. But but I really do believe we're going to hit our goals this year. So <laughs> I oh, know yeah. you are. Holy crap. He's crazy. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what everybody said. It was like a pin drop. So, but it was good. But I would imagine that you're the kind of individual that would, is going to talk to your people all the time. You're going to present them numbers. You're going to show them pathways to make it work. Correct. One of the things when you mentioned that, right. I mean, the struggle is real. As long as you struggle together, um, getting out of the struggle is also easier. We feed our employees lunch every day at our shop. They can leave if they want. They can do what they want. However, we have a kitchen on site. And we have a staff member who's assigned to purchase, prepare, serve, and clean up lunch for everybody. Just part of our 
climate. And I remember when they they wouldn't speak up about things they didn't like, we just saw them not eat it. And so we had to start opening the conversation because they thought that my husband wanted to pick out the type of food all the time. Well, this is really good and because he loves through food. And so you wouldn't know it. He's very skinny, but he does love through food. I resemble that a little bit more for him. But it was really interesting how we got them to speak up at lunch and talk about it by starting a meeting. So every Tuesday, I'm only on property once a week at my shop. Um, I'm still not in, I'm only on. And I'm in charge of development and growth. And we have a meeting every Tuesday and we look at numbers. And we talked for three months about our forecast for this year. Um, about what it was going to take to meet it, what was going to be their requirements and their responsibility in it. Were they willing to do that? What trouble would they have in that? It took a long time. So it just those conversations have changed. And then meetings every morning on the shop floor they have. And that's something we didn't do in the past. So that's our change. Um, that we've made. We were, I was going to say, we thought we were a great shop. We were a great shop. I see people that are great shops and they're doing wonderful. And yet there's even more to do. Kenny, look at Kenny, right? He's growing more shops and he's growing more, more revenue. And I think there's a lot that we can do when we do it together. When I think about what Kenny did, and, and Kenny, th- thank you for coming on and sharing this, because I think this is a real strong point in our discussion of struggle, because you wouldn't have hired that many people and gone through the metamorphosis in your company if you weren't struggling. And you said to yourself, enough is enough. There's a particular point. And it's not hard. In Kenny's particular case, your ego wasn't getting in the way of you saying, I failed, I have to fix hundred percent. I had to come to that realization a long time ago in this business. So that's what really was the biggest change for me. Many years ago, I went to a conference down in Texas and I was new in the, in the automotive field. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is mind blowing. And, and I just kept growing and going to more coaching and different training companies and things like that and different coaches. And, and I've just grown over the years and realized if somebody that's more successful than me is telling me this, then that's got to be the way to do it. And I've just said, okay, let me just try it. Let me just try it. You know, and it started with a good friend of mine who we've only met once, but he's a shop owner out of Illinois. And the first time I talked to him, he asked me what my labor rate was. And I told him, and he says, that's way too cheap. You need to change it. It was like in October. And I said, yeah, I'll change it at Christmas. He says, why wait? You know, why not do it tomorrow? And he kind of pushed me on that. Right. He pushed me on that. And so, you know, the next day I went up $10 an hour from 80 to 90 or whatever it was at the time. And that's just kind of set the tone, right? You got to push. And we still talk to this day. I mean, we talk all the time. So we're really good friends. I love what he said. Let me take that into a learning lesson. Just one thing. That's what he did. Just one thing. And it was almost like, here, have some water. Oh, oh, that was good. Have some more. Yeah. You know, he was more successful at the time than me. And he said, you know, a small shop like you can't compete with somebody like me. And he still has one store and I have four, but we talk all the time, you know, and he's like, I'll just always say, I remember when, you know, but yeah. So I remember when we were in our old building and we thought we were going to purchase it. We'd been renting it for a while. And the landlord, I mean, we've been talking a lot about people struggles. I think it is people, but sometimes it's only one people. It's not all the people. Correct. And we thought we had a deal with our landlord and my husband, this is that not that handshake deal, Carm, one of the handshake deals. We've done a few of them. We have to hit our head a few times sometimes just to be real. So if you're out there hitting your head a few times, it's okay. Right. Just make the choice. Stop throwing your head against the wall. But we did like $200,000 worth of renovations. And she was saying after the renovations, that's when we'll do it. Well, I'll put you, you know, so you can buy, start purchasing and get into a sale with the building. And my husband was handling most of the conversations. And this was way long time ago. Um, We've been in our building now for, well, 
10, nine years, our current building, nine years that we own. And we wanted to own this building. And it was funny because it was separate buildings with yards in between them, but it was all one building. And for some reason, we thought that's okay. We can get through this. It'll be great. But the communication was a real problem in that building. Well, lo and behold, after we did the renovations, not only did she give us our first right to purchase, which is not an agreement for sale, but she raised our rent because we had improved the building. <laughs> I mean, just saying, like, we all have moments. That was a right. moment for sure. Yep. Um, and I remember being, that was like between my head, because I was like, don't look, if there's, if you want to know something about a girl, gentlemen, please ask a girl. Uh, we know each other, right? And if I want to know something about a man, I'm going to ask a man. Um, doesn't mean we get to know each other, but ask. And so that didn't happen. But here's the cool thing about it, Carm. We found the building that was really meant to be. My husband went out and he found this amazing building. It's 10,000 square feet. It was a um, Latino dance hall at the time. We have absolutely renovated it. It's beautiful. It's stunning. We are now, we never thought we'd rent again, but we're renting a piece of the building behind us because we've been, our business is growing. And it's like, it's right there. And the potential to purchase that building ultimately in the next five years is available as well. So to go from that to where we're at, I just want you to know wherever you are, anybody, you don't have to stay there. It's it's not forever. Failure's not forever. You're so right. I mean, it's a great story of struggle. I spent a quarter of a million dollars on a building that I ultimately could not buy. And it probably, it may have helped your business, but it sure brought more value and a higher rent to someone else. How many times did you guys hit yourself over the head for that? Hopefully just a, just a few. When we were in the kitchen doing business the last three months that we were there because she kicked us out of our office space to rent it to somebody else. Uh, yeah. I mean, we just piled it on, Carm. I'm just saying, if you want that struggle story, we've got it. Well, you could write a book on that one. We don't sit in it, right? Like, okay, done, over, now what? Yep. And cool thing is we have our own building. It's all together. We look back, we drive by that building and think, and there's like six different businesses in it now. And we're where we're supposed to be. Failure happens sometimes to bring you greater success. That's another you. thing. Embrace it. Yep, you have to pivot. You're right. I love the word pivoted. It is the temperament that you need to be able to take a risk, move forward, two steps forward, one step back, but learning from that and then make another two, come back one. Because I'm sorry, we're imperfect people. This decisions that we make for our business, you've got market pressures, you've got people pressures, you've got all kinds of things. So don't think that every decision that you're going to make from a friend or a, you know, whatever. The beauty of our podcast is when people listen to them, there's a million different ideas that are floating in there. And a lot of times what happens is something comes into an individual and they say, well, that really is mean. I never thought of it like that. Even if it didn't work, maybe it wasn't just you or the decision. It was something else pushing back. But the fact of the matter is you got to have a bold italic stance and always be moving forward. I think that's what our storyline is here. Correct. Absolutely. And some things fit for you. Some things don't. Wow. Okay. This was great. Thank you for giving us the pivot in the middle of the episode, Kenny, because I think, I really think it helped people say, whoa, I bloodletted three people, but never 17, you <laughs> know. Damn. And it's okay to feel that you're really in the deep straits and, you know, the rule of holes. The rule of holes is you got to know when to stop digging. That's right. Yeah. I literally gave myself a month to fix that store or I was going to have to try to figure out how to get out of it. And I fixed it. So it took a lot of work. Brilliant stuff. Shari Pheasant, a, a master mechanic in Reno, Nevada with husband Jeff in SharifPheasant.com. Thank you so much for bringing your great leadership ideas and wisdom here to the show. I know that you're so big in that. Still in the Napa BDG? Still participate in that? 
I have my succession plan is in action. I am in the past president role and we have formed a new way to structure BDGs and it is now in action and I'm helping in, um, the Sacramento area get their business development groups going now as well. And Kenny Wedow, Find Tune Auto for locations in Colorado. Great wisdom from both of you. You go, Kenny. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.